Pastor Ray Bentley highlights the truth that sets us free. Jesus is saying, you do anything and everything it takes to believe and trust and hold on to my hand and follow me all the way to heaven. And on the other hand, he said, you do whatever sacrifice is necessary, as hard as it is for you to deny your flesh or the world of the devil, you do whatever it takes to make sure you avoid hell at all costs. Because once you get there, it's forever and there's no coming back. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When cars get old, we trade them in. When clothes get old, we get rid of them. When buildings get old, we tear them down. We live in an impermanent society. So it's a challenge for us to wrap our minds around something lasting forever. Today, Pastor Ray points out eternity is a long time to be in the wrong place. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 9. We're going through the Gospel of Mark and we're going to finish the ninth chapter. We're going to cover what for me is kind of a lot of ground, a lot of territory, verses 38 through 50. And Jesus gets to disciple each and every one of us tonight. Truth that sets men and women free. Okay, verse 38, it says, Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. Verse 39. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterward speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Okay, verses 42 through 48. Let's look at that. It says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. How many imagine a millstone thrown around your neck and then thrown into the sea would be very excruciatingly painful, uncomfortable, and then you die? Jesus said that would be a better choice than what will happen to you if you make one of these little ones stumble. And then he says in verse 43, and this is, this is pretty wild. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die. I don't want to go to a place where worms don't die. And the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, oh no, another body part, <laughs> cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die. I don't like that. And the fire is not quenched. And if your eye, oh no, Lord, not the eye, causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where those lousy little worms do not die and the fire is not quenched. Wow, 
That's pretty heavy stuff. Now, how many of you are aware that Jesus was Jewish? Raise your hand if you're aware of that. Okay, one of the ways of, of Jewish teaching is to speak in hyperbole. In other words, you, you are using a, a picture that is to make your mind scream. I mean, the thought, just the thought of plucking out your eye, cutting off your hand, or cutting off your foot. It, 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 it's not just kind of like, you know, we're teaching, you know, and we're giving you some nice principles and techniques to follow to make your life blissful and happy like some guru. No, Jesus is giving the words that have eternal life and eternal consequences to heaven or to hell. And so look, honestly, Jesus is using extreme language to get an extreme emotional, mental, spiritual impact in your heart and life. What Jesus is teaching is that sin is to our hearts what a cancerous tumor is to our body. In other words, radical surgery needs to be performed or that will kill you. That cancerous tumor could kill you. So, you know, now the basic two choices, either we go in and cut that cancerous tumor out, which means you go under anesthesia, major surgery to cut it out, or we leave it in you and we do this radical thing called chemotherapy that is like, poison that basically kills almost everything and hopefully it kills the tumor and doesn't kill too many of your cells so that you live and survive through it. Jesus is saying that, that for sin that is within us, it is radical and if it's not dealt with, if it's not confessed as sin, forgiven, come into relationship with Jesus Christ, that sin will lead you to hell. There's nothing new under the sun. You know that the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. In the Old Testament, uh, the children of Israel kept falling back. They would worship Yahweh. They would follow the, the God's loving teaching. His commands were basically, if you follow this way that I've set for you, you'll live life. Miracles will happen. Joy, peace, love, relationship, blessing. Uh, your, your marriage will be blessed and your children will be blessed and you'll be fruitful and you'll be prosperous and, and, and all good things you will be able to enjoy. And if you do what's right in your own eyes and you get selfish and you turn inward and you go after the world, you're going to lose everything. They would worship God and then they would sometimes say, no, we're tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil was always in there. And they would go to worship Baal. And many people in the world are still today worshiping Baal. We don't have the little stone images of him, but here's what Baal worship really was. Baal worship was... You could have any kind of sexual experience that you wanted. They would go up and they make these little rituals up on the top of mountains and everything, uh, whether it was you know, heterosexual, homosexual, anything else that you can imagine, that, that it was all there and this is part of our worship. It's all okay, it's part of our religion. Then as a consequence of that, there would be all these unwanted children. These were not part of the family. They were not certainly someone you wanted to share your inheritance with or land to divide. All these unwanted children, what do we do with them? Conveniently incorporated in the ancient religion of Baal and the other names that are mentioned, Moloch, uh, Ashtaroth, and so forth. These are the, the temple children. They are to be sacrificed to the gods because they weren't really wanted as children. What, what did they do? They had these stone images of Baal, some, a stone god that they made with his hands stretched out like this. 
The Bible says they can neither see, cannot hear, cannot, you know, you carve little hands, but he can't touch anything. You carve ears, he can't hear, carve eyes, but he can't see. Then they would put a fire below them, heat it up until it was white hot, and they would take these little babies that were born from these sexual fertility rites, and they would place them on the white hot stone, the red lava stone, and sacrifice the babies. And the third thing was that rather than worshiping the creator of the creation, they worshiped the creation. They worshiped it. And that's what Israel kept falling back to. Why? Because there was no accountability. There was freedom. You could do whatever you want. The the phrase that is used to describe Baal worship is, let every man do what is right in his own eyes. Don't let a father creator tell me what and how I should live my life or direct my marriage or my family, my children, my future. I will decide for myself. Baal, you worship Baal. And that's where the ancient children of Israel fell in again and again. And that's where many fall today. In this context, as Jesus is talking about uh, in his own generation, those who are not seeking and following the Lord, it's in this conversation that he, he talks about hell. Now, some people are shocked to hear such words come from the mouth of loving Jesus. Frightening words about hell. The word translated hell is Gehenna, uh, or it's the Valley of Hinnom. Gehenna, Gehenna, and that's where hell came from. It was actually a valley at the southern edge of the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem is kind of on a hill that goes up, kind of to the north in this way, and it flows down south. So all of the the water, the refuse, the trash, it all went down to the Valley of Hinnom. It was basically the trash heap. This is where often then they sacrificed children. It mentions in the Bible, they sacrificed the babies. When in Jerusalem they were worshiping these false gods and idols. Can you imagine God? After his temple is built there, they, they rebel, they, they go back to worshiping these other gods. Then they're sacrificing children right there by the temple in Jerusalem. And they're sacrificing the children and the babies and killing them in the valley where they throw their trash. And therefore, because it was where the trash was, there was always the smell of sulfur and burning and fire. Because how do you get rid of trash in in an ancient community or a poor community? You keep a fire going all the time. And and, and the Lord said, that is the picture of hell. That's where your life is going to head. That's where you will spend all time and eternity. There was an actual valley at the southern end of Jerusalem where wicked King Ahaz worshiped Molech, another god, the fire god. And listen to this, an ancient king of Israel who even sacrificed his own children in the fire. You can read about it for yourself in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses one through three. Now note, hell, Jesus said, is not temporary, it's forever. So let me just say this about that. We are to make... (laughs) seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and going to heaven, Jesus is saying, you do anything and everything it takes to believe and trust and hold onto my hand and follow me all the way to heaven. Amen? And on the other hand, he said, you do whatever sacrifice is necessary, as hard as it is for you to deny your flesh, the world of the devil, you do whatever it takes to let go of to the extreme hyperbole of plucking out your eye, cutting off your hand or your foot. In other words, extreme self-denial picking up your cross to make sure you avoid hell at all costs. 
because once you get there, it's forever and there's no coming back. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We love hearing when Maranatha Radio and Pastor Ray's teachings are impacting lives. Pastor Ray, I love your daily devotionals, especially your devotion on sharing our faith with others. I've been wanting to witness more about Jesus to my neighbors and friends, but I always get a little pushy. But your message was all about compassion, love, and gentleness. Thanks for a good lesson on how to reach others for Christ without driving them away. God bless you. And we're so glad that Pastor Ray's teachings are helping. Would you take just 60 seconds and write Pastor Ray an email and let him know how these studies in God's Word have encouraged you? You can send that email to ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. In Revelation 20, verse 10, let's read that scripture out loud. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, when the Lord works in your life and you deny yourself, you know, so here we are, we're we're struggling with sin, with various areas in our lives. And you're going, wow, okay, (laughs) Lord, you have my attention, but I'm struggling in this area or whatever. It's like God's wanting to do surgery in your heart. When you deny sin, when you confess it, and when you say, no, I want to get rid of it, I'm I'm ready to deal with it, I can't do it alone, I need help from my brothers and sisters, and I will confess my sins, Lord, help me. It will be like going through fire in order to let go of sin. Most of the time with our flesh, after we have dug grooves of habits and dependence and that we get vulnerable and weakened to, and when life gets hard, it's easy to go back to it. We're no better than the ancient children of Israel. It's easy to go back to sin and go back to the old habits and the old patterns, even if you know that it's not real or it's numbing in some way. Yes, it will be, it will be like fire for you to stand still and say, no, I, Lord, I yield myself to you. Here's the beautiful thing. The Lord says, I I want you to be a living sacrifice. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to cut off, literally, man. Romans 12, verses one and two. Let's read this scripture out loud. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so we read that, sounds spiritual. What does it really mean to give my body as a living sacrifice? It means the Lord is not asking you to climb on the altar and kill yourself. What does it mean to daily pick up my cross? It means for me as a man, or you as a man or a woman, to not give in to the indulgences of the flesh and the world, even if everybody is doing it, for you not not give in to it is a sacrifice. It hurts, it goes against your flesh. But listen to this, either you indulge your flesh, give your flesh whatever it wants and kill your spirit, so the more you get into the, into the flesh and the more you indulge the flesh, your spirit gets smaller and smaller, duller and duller, and, and the emptiness inside you grows. 
exponentially. Or you let the flesh suffer. And you say, I'm going to deny the flesh, and your spirit grows bigger, more powerful, more meaningful. And all of a sudden, you begin to, to look at, and, and in a totally different way, the flesh. And now I want what is good and what is holy and what is pure and what is righteous. And, and the spiritual life grows within you. You're a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. And then you, you get stronger as time goes on, as you walk with the Lord. And all of a sudden, God in the beginning, he, he intended our spirits to dominate and our flesh to follow along. He did not intend for us to live by the flesh and drag our spirits through the mud of this world. Does that make sense? We kind of got turned inside out. In fact, and some say in Genesis that when Adam and Eve were on the top of the mountain in the Garden of Eden and walked with God in the presence of God in the evening, that our spirit was actually on the outside of our bodies. And that Adam and Eve glowed, that you could see the spirit like light, that they were clothed with light and that that's why they didn't even need clothing because what you saw in a man and a woman was the spirit and it was pure, it was glorious. But then when we sinned, we became afraid. What happened to our spirit? Remember Adam, he's standing there and he goes, well, what happened? I'm naked. Well, he was physically naked before. He wasn't dumb. He, he knew he didn't have clothes. He wasn't talking about clothing. I think, you know, and what some of the commentators think is that when the spirit had rebelled against God to hide, the spirit went inside the body for the first time. And he's like, ooh, the light's gone. This is not good. I'm changed. I'm different. So we got turned inside out, upside down, flesh first. Now everything is flesh first and my spirit's hidden inside. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's like turning you back the way you were meant to be, spirit on top, and let your soul and your body be under that. Amen? Okay, last thing, uh, verses 49 and 50. We'll close with this. Jesus says, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Everyone will be, so what's a sacrifice? A sacrifice is, is something that's been put on fire as a, as a blessing to the Lord. You and I, as, as we don't yield to the flesh, but we say, Lord, I want to surrender to you and to your spirit and to your word, and I want to trust you uh, by faith, then you're tried by fire to not give in to temptation. There's a fiery kind of a trial that goes on. But what's burned, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace. They were tied up, bound, thrown into the fire. But were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego burned by the fire? No. But something burned. What did burn? The ropes. That's what sin does. Sin ties you up and makes you a slave. But if you go through the fire trials and not yield to it, I'm, I'm for the Lord. The only thing that burns are the ropes that have bound you. And then Jesus interestingly describes salt. Now let me ask you this question because salt is all about learning the balance of a, of a spirit-filled life. I wanna ask you this question. Which is most important? Spiritual experience or knowing God's word? Mm -hmm. How many think spiritual experience? Raise your hands. Okay, how many of you think it's knowing God's word? Okay, most of you are leaning toward knowing God's word. 
The correct answer is they're both most important. Not one above the other. You, in fact, you cannot have one without the other, and let me explain what I mean. There is a great need today, not only for the declaration of God's word, but the demonstration of the power and the experience and the reality of his word. Would you say amen to that? Amen. So here we learn a lesson. Jesus gives us a lesson not to put one above the other. It's not like, okay, well, I got this one and not so much that one, and, but I'm okay because I'm choosing the better one. No, they're both. You got to have both. And the example he uses is the salt crystal. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, let's read it out loud together. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. All right, salt is made up of two elements, sodium and chloride. From these two elements together, we derive salt. But individually, if you separate those two substances, each one of them is poisonous. Now, sodium is a crystal that becomes explosive when it's exposed to water, and chloride is a gas that is fatal if alone is inhaled. But when you properly combine the two, the result is salt, a life-giving substance as valuable in the ancient world as gold or silver. Why? Because salt could be used to put into meat to preserve it. They didn't, how many of you know that thousands of years ago they didn't have refrigerators? <laughs> what did they use? How did they preserve meat? Salt. Salt is a preservative. How many of you also, like me, like salt for flavor? I love salt. Sometimes I think I'm a deer. Because I, I put too much salt because I like it so much. I grew up in, but I, I grew up in Southern California in San Diego, too close to the border of Mexico, and all that good food, and salsa, and avocados. <laughs> Beg for salt. I mean, <laughs> Vicky said you like salt so much. It's like we should just put a little salt lick, you know. You could come by in the morning and get your salt. I do love salt. Salt preserves, salt gives flavor to food. So you need both ingredients. When we focus only on experience and then neglect God's word, we become unstable, explosive, or poisonous. On the other hand, if we only focus on the study of God's word and neglect the moving, the life, the operation, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we become like chloride, we just become gassy. <laughs> And as I put here in your notes, if we have knowledge without power, you dry up. If you have power without knowledge, you blow up. But if you have knowledge and power, you will what? Grow up. You can't say, well, at least I'm reading my Bible every day and then have no life, no experience. That's, that's not salt. You need both. We need the word and we need it to be real and alive and living and an experience. That's what the world is longing for. Amen? Good insight today from Pastor Ray Bentley about living the balanced biblical life of discipleship. Glad you're along today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Truth That Sets Us Free. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you first arrive at our homepage, by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge. And also, you can link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.